get into this. You got your good mouth sounds going, so you probably should. Welcome to an all-new Criterionauts. I'm Criterionaut Joey. I'm Criterionaut Chris. And I guess I should say, uh, we've never done like a statement at the beginning of the episode what the show's about. Every episode we watch a movie from the Criterion Collection and then talk about it. Fascinating. Is that good? That seems pretty good. All right. I mean, that sounds accurate. Well, this episode, according to my sheet here, we watched Haven't Gate. No, <laughs> that sounds like some kind of typo. Started uh, real well from 1980, Heaven's Gate. I mean, I I think the Criterion Collection presents it as Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate. I think it's Cimino. I don't think so. Written and directed by Michael Cimino, three hours and 39 fucking minutes long. That's right. We watched it, so you don't have to. <laughs> it, it, it's so long. It's the longest movie I've ever seen. H- however... I mean, I don't know if this spoiler alert. Uh-huh. It didn't. F- I mean, it is so long. It did not feel that long to me. I because I, there like, wasn't three hours and forty minutes worth of plot. True, but I I never I was never bored. I was never well. That's not true. At the beginning, I I, I don't know what the beginning is. So fucking long. <laughs> this movie is long. It's, did I mention it's three hours and thirty nine fucking minutes long? That's or thirty six right. maybe. What is it? Three. It's, it's close to three forty. Is the is the okay the three three hours, and yes, yeah, thirty six. It's two hundred and sixteen minutes according to the Criterion site. So uh, let's see what Criterion has to say about Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate, a breathtaking depiction of the promise and perils of America's Western expansion. Heaven's Gate, directed by Michael Cimino, is among Hollywood's most ambitious, ambitious and unorthodox epics. Chris Christopherson brings his weathered sensuality to the role of Harvard. (laughs) Weathered sensuality. Yeah. That's a kind of, that's like a, that's a real backhanded compliment. (laughs) Like he's sexual, but it's abrasive. Old. His gross, unattractive (laughs) sexuality. Uh, Harvard graduate who relocates to Wyoming as a federal marshal, there he learns of a government-sanctioned plot by cattle barons to kill the area's European settlers for their land. The resulting battle is based on the bloody real-life Johnson County War of 1892. Also starring Isabella Hubert? Hubert? I believe it's, uh, yeah, Hubert. Oh, it's French? I think. I think it is. She's really good. Yeah, anyway, she's phenomenal. And Christopher Walken. Heaven's who's, Gate. She's also great. And really rocks that mascara. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Heaven's Gate is a savage and ravishly shot take on a Western movie lore. This release presents the full director's cut, letting viewers today see Chimino's potent original vision. How much longer was this than the the one that came out? Do you remember? Like at least an hour longer. Yeah. Because when we were looking to try and watch it, I couldn't, at first I couldn't find the director's cut version as a streamable... Because uh, on Amazon, I found the, it's like two and a half hours. And I was like, I don't think this is the right version. And But then I did find it. You you have to go through, if you look for the Criterion version, you can also rent like that version. Oh, I see. That's that length. I uh, wouldn't, recommend, wouldn't recommend it. If you wanted to see this for the plot, then by all means do the shorter one. Oh, <laughs> but... I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I, I felt that... I I don't I like this movie. I I remember you talk telling me that you liked it. I have some bones to pick with it, which All we'll right. get into. Oh, I got plenty. <clears throat> IMDb score of six point eight with twelve thousand three hundred and seventy five votes. Rotten Tomatoes score of fifty seven percent with forty two reviews. 
audience score of 54%, which is probably one of the only times I've seen the audience and the critics, like, agree. Yeah. Um, so I had not heard of this movie until you were talking about it at lunch one day, about it being this massive disaster. Or oh, the, yeah. like, clusterfuck of ego and over-budgeted big set pieces and blown schedules. And there was a quote that was like, by day six, we were five days behind or something like that. I think, I think it's like by six, by day six, we were seven days behind or something like that. <laughs> it's yeah. It, I mean, it, it, in some ways sort of, I guess, um, uh, symbolically it was the end. I think this movie came out in the, what are the 80, 80? Mm-hmm. it's, it, it really is the end of the 1970s, not just literally, but the, the 70s were this time when the auteur, the filmmaker, was given unprecedented power to just make whatever movie they wanted to. I mean, and, and there's a great book about it called Easy Riders Raging Bulls. About that, the that 70s chronicles in that time. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. It start you know, from like 69 to 81. And, it, you know, so he made The Deer Hunter which is a great movie. I've never seen it. It's really great. Yeah. And it was a commercial success and it won all these Academy Awards. Yeah. It was a huge success. And then they, they said, whatever you want to do, Michael, whatever you want to do, you take it away. And he was like, well, this is what I want to do. And I, I think from moment one, he alienated everybody. It was, it was like, Ego gone mad is my understanding. I mean, I wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, if only it was possible for us to talk to somebody who actually <laughs> was there. Which we will do. W- wait, is that going to happen? I he's, He said he would. Is the conceit of this show that we are on a spaceship? It doesn't need to be, no. <laughs> um, because I, I think... I, on the radar, I see, <laughs> I, I see another trying. ship out there in the, and maybe we'll link up at some point in this episode. Okay, that sounds good. You're a better interviewer than I am, so I look forward to hearing it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Uh, Heaven's Gate kicks off with uh, the most people I have ever seen on a movie <laughs> screen ever in my life. Uh, the <laughs> the whole first 20-ish minutes of this, uh, we start back in Harvard where uh, these two friends are graduating, and it's 1870, and everyone is everywhere. Yeah. And the, so many people. <laughs> the, the first dialogue lines take place with our two main ca- characters in the middle of a marching band. That's right. As it goes down like the street. full marching band. As it's playing. And it was just like... Hey, this would be hard. Oh my god! Let's like, do this. <laughs> it does it every every scene. It, it like every successive scene. It feels like they're like, God, how are we gonna top that last scene? He's like, I'll fucking tell you. How. We're gonna double the number of people. <laughs> We're gonna every buy more scene, people. Just yeah, more people just put there. more people in there. Uh, fun fact about that beginning: I heard from someone we'll be speaking with later. Not to steal any of his thunder. I hope so. But uh, that ship docks with our ship. It will. Yeah. Uh, they, when they actually shot at the school that it takes place at, mm-hmm. they they had to like put dirt all over the real roads to make it look like 1870. Yeah, nice. Which is amazing. Um, I like that attention to detail. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have paved roads, um, and they had all the people still. So this was before all the people, people died. So many people. Um, 
but this whole beginning could go away and it would be fine. Yeah, I've been thinking about that since we since I watched it and I, I understand why it's there. I, I actually I think I think you could do away with um the bookends. No, I because I, I like the bookends. I don't like the second book. I don't like the final book. I, I think that it's not as effective as it could be. Yeah. Uh, and it's also a little confusing. Yeah. But but I found I, I like the idea that they set these two up as, as kind of rivals in, in a way and and that things are kind of petty mm-hmm. and that then that rival that like pettiness plays itself out but i just it didn't seem i mean john hurt's character ends up being so sort of totally inconsequential exactly like yeah. he's like if if he was sam waterston's character and it would also probably be like very super on the nose yeah <laughs> and but i i mean i i guess maybe part of the message is the futility of it all or the incon the, the inconsequential like how everything is inconsequential. That's kind of what he can... started. He like sort of saw. Yeah. There towards the end. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's Are three we? hours and 36 fucking minutes later. And I'll tell you, you, you read the synopsis. Is this how you expected a Western to start? It is not. No. I was <laughs> very, very confused. Yes. I was like, I guess this is um, just teeing this up. Be- and it was because as soon as the uh, Harvard, this is Harvard, right? No, I think it's, I think, is, is it, it Harvard? Is it? I think it's Harvard. It as soon as you ha- said Harvard, and I'm remembering Harvard, so I <laughs> that must be it. Then let's just call it Harvard. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Harvard, but as soon as it's it's over, it's just like 20 years later. Uh, you're now you're jumping ahead. Yeah, I wrote that was like <laughs> I was worried yeah, I was like, we were going to be what the fuck, Michael Chimino? Like, <laughs> but what about what about that's all an the... insane yada yada yada? Like, yeah. Anyway, 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 20 years later, Wyoming. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 no. Hold on, go back, go back, go back. Like 20 years. Oh, anyway, here's the cowboys. All that? Well, uh, the whole beginning was just them graduating and then like causing a ruckus and him shooting people out and about causing a ruckus. That was like the whole point. Yeah, it was like boys will be boys. Although both Chris Christopherson and John Hurt are like the oldest, oldest college, college graduates of all time. <laughs> And I like I like that that there's that girl which I guess seems to be like John Hurt wanted the girl the pretty girl but he and and his 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 opening line to her when he finally got to talk to her was God you're beautiful it's like <laughs> nailed it time's up buddy like yeah. can't do that shit anymore that well, would not fly I was kind of wondering after all this like the way this this movie is shot. Or the the scenery is shot like a political cartoon. I don't know if that makes any sense because yeah. it's like everything was always like hyper uh, packed in those like old timey political cartoons. Mm-hmm. So it was like the window where the girls' dorm was was just like spilling out with like girls all like doing their thing. Yeah, and it was like the, that was the my college experience for sure. <laughs> totally not at all. The uh, I guess the way you had sex in the 1870s was just to like stare at women. <laughs> yeah, stare at them into submission, pretty much until they were like, I guess this. I don't think he's gonna stop staring at yeah. me. I think I need to marry him, and then maybe he'll stop staring at me. Like, I I understand wanting to see if you can tackle this challenge, 
like of, of of the set piece of this beginning being so big and like i'm not joking it is one of the bigger things i have seen no it's amazing still it's like nuts. this is this movie is now nuts. almost 40 years old and yeah. well and the whole time i don't know about if you felt this way but at every moment you're like this is all real there's no digital effects. Like yeah. now you would add, you know, 50,000 people and it would all be digital people and exactly. it would be relatively convincing. You maybe you wouldn't have uh, every every third scene a, a full train cov- covered people. in people. <laughs> yeah, just actual people on top of a train. Oh, a the extras train. fucking train. That was the extras hauler. Unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's, 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 sort of mind bending to think of the achievement yeah. of capturing all this on film and every image is beautiful and it just it's just I don't know how you start. I have no idea. Where do you even find Thousands. all those people in Montana, which is where I think where they shot it. Yeah. It's I, I I have a feeling we would not have nearly the level of respect for this if we didn't work in some sort of T V entertainment anything. That's possible. Because there is so little meat on the bone of this thing it's like a giant amazing steak and as soon as you cut into it it like gives because it's mostly fat and it's like i don't i yeah i mean i I hear what you're saying especially as far as the characters that we're following yeah but i i i found uh, another thing that i found unexpected is that it's it's a weirdly relevant story to right now all of this anti-immigrant sentiment in this country which i I guess it's more like we're just seeing it now mm-hmm. instead of it being underground or and it's not now about and yeah stuff. now, now the, it's a president yeah the president is just like saying the part that you're supposed to keep quiet and he just says it out he's, loud he's doing the speech that the antagonist does <laughs> it's, it's just crazy and then telling people to go back to where they came from and i mean the fact that that shit is being said it's 2019 this was taking place a hundred and yeah. fucking 20 years before right now, and it's still the same shit. Mm-hmm. People just afraid, people drumming up anti because they're just desperate. Because there's got to be some other answer. Right. For an it issue. can't be me. I, you know, it must be somebody else's fault. And I mean, we had that first big uh, meeting of the, the rich folk because um, our, our main protagonist, whose name is Jim, right? Jim? Jim. Uh, he, they call him his last name is like Ale. Uh, Wait, our Ailes? guy? Yeah, Aver- Averill. Is it Jim? I or think is James. It, something. Is it Bill. Bill is the other one. Yeah, you're right. It's Jim. Uh, he he it's is Chris now Chris Christopherson. <laughs> Chris Christopherson is a, a sheriff or some sort of law enforcement, and he's out in Wyoming, and his his buddy from Harvard is in this Bill. sort of Bill who is, what's his name? John Hurt. Hurt. He is the, in this group of cattle uh, farm ranchers. They, they had a name for themselves. Yeah, it's the, I'm looking, the Stock Growers Association. Right, so they're, they're the people that provide like all the cattle for this area. And uh, like to them, all the immigrants coming to Montana or wherever it takes place, actually, Wyoming. Wyoming. Is, um, uh, our, their stuff is getting stolen because people are hungry and can't like get by so like they're they're just getting pissed 
And they're saying that all these immigrants showing up is sort of what is like hurting their bottom line. So somehow, I don't know how they get the government's permission or whatever for this. They, they create a kill list. I think they have sort of just tacit approval. I don't think that they, I mean, and that, that I think they kind of present it in the, in the movie where anytime they're like, give me a warrant, show me an official document. He's basically like the governor said, do what it takes. Yeah. And, I think I think that the governor is giving himself kind of plausible deniability by saying, like, just take care of it. You know, follow the law, but take care of it. And they're just yeah. like, yeah, we're just going to fucking murder these people. 120-some people on their list of immigrants in the area that are landowners. There are landowners there, and it, it they just decide that they're going to kill all of them, and they're going to pay, like, a bounties, essentially. So... Uh, James, as a, a person of law, is like, this is, you should not do that. Yeah, you can't do that. And they're just like, we're going to do that. He's a badass who sticks up for immigrants. That's what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. And also, this scene takes place after the second train covered in people <laughs> shows up, at which point I wrote down, there must have already been 10,000 people in this movie. Easy. at that, And that's and that's like 50 minutes into the movie. Yeah, where also nothing is happening. Nothing is. That's when when I was t I was texting with you while I was watching it, or I was g chatting with you, or something, and mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I mean, I'm an hour in, and I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. And then that's like when they finally that like the statement of purpose of the movie is that it's like there. Yeah. Which is like, we're rich people and we got to kill these fucking immigrants. That's what they say. Yeah. I swear too much. And I apologize, <laughs> but it, it's a, Mom. it's sort of a bummer. Like listening to us talk about this movie. Cause like I said, the, the plot is, is not the amazing thing about this other than it being like weirdly, uh, is it prescient prescient? Is that the word? I'm not going to use words. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was fortune. -telling. I don't know if it was prescient. I mean, it was, it was talking about something that existed in the past and unfortunately still exists now. Still exists now. But it's, we are, we are 50 minutes in and like the main point of the movie has finally happened and you've missed all these incredible looking, um, massive scope scenery, like amazing looking shit that. It, it, like us talking about it is not really going to do anything. So it's like, right? Why you would come to this in the first place? You're going to be missing. We don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, God, God knows it's what a chore for you. <laughs> we're so sorry. You know what? Turn this up. Go outside. I thought we were going to have a tough time getting through this movie in the hour. No, this, this very, is like you said. Nothing. Ha this is the little. shortest notes list I've had on uh, any movie on any movie we've done on the show. I, I have notes like Christopher Walken exclamation point. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. Or uh, holy shit, an actual cockfight. <laughs> is that Jeff Bridges? <laughs> and the answer to all of those is yes. yes. Those were real chick. That was that was a real nuts. a real I've never seen chickens like like raising up their their hackles or yeah. whatever. In a lodge, we had a cockfight thing. You didn't really see it though. I know, but I had was looking for sound effects, so I went on YouTube and found like people like getting them like riled up. Lodge Forty Nine Season Two AMC. 
August starts 2019. And speaking of, Jeff Bridges does look amazingly like Dud. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I forgot to, I was going to send a picture of it to Jim. Yeah. Jim Gavin, it's showrunner. Crazy. Co-creator, or creator, co-showrunner. Um, Watch 49. I'm looking forward season to two, another AMC. season of that. That's, that's proof that uh, good things still can happen occasionally, that that show got to go another year. Agreed. Um, all right, so... Uh, I gotta find where we are in my notes. Baba booey, baba booey. Uh, just like skimming through it, just every couple lines is, oh my god, there are so many people. <laughs> yeah, it's it also. I thought there was some really. There's some. There's some dialogue that I liked a lot in this yeah. movie. And like, uh, I liked also. Um, so you know, Bill said to Jim because he was like, "We can't do that." He was like, "I guess on principle, everything can be done." And then, so he, when uh, Jim was talking to Jeff Bridges, he s- just repeated back what had been said to him, which was, I guess, on principle, everything can be done. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that he said it to Jeff Bridges because that's exactly what the dude does throughout the Big Lebowski. <laughs> is he just keep repeats things that he's heard or aggression you know, will not stand, yes. man. Yeah, that's funny. He's uh, Jeff Bridges is like the uh, the bar. He owns the Heaven's Gate. Right, he owns Heaven's Gate and is a. I've watched this in so many pieces that I'm a little fragmented. That place was called Heaven's Gate. Yeah, is that why this movie's called Heaven's yeah. Gate? Whoops. Yeah, the the meeting where the the immigrant people have their big, um, like rally cry, and when they it's it's like off in the background, that like wood building. Yeah, when they exit it, the pavilion. You just see it says Heaven's on one side and then Gate way far on the other side. Wow, I missed that. Yeah. That's uh, there you go, a little Easter egg for you. <laughs> is that an Easter egg, or is it's that just I should have seen that because it's the title of the movie? No, they very much did not feature it. It, it it's like if you blink, you'd miss the heavens part, and you would just see gate on the side of the building. It's really funny. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, everyone in this uh, acting wise, I think sounds and looks the part of an old western thing. It's just like the pacing of it doesn't it it doesn't feel like a western and i don't know if it's because it was teed up with all this harvard like preppy lads yeah. looking stuff and then we get to the western feeling bit and it's something is still like off to me and i don't know maybe it's playing more modern than a western usually does like they yeah that that's an interesting point that by framing it with by showing these people in civilized society and then dumping them into the what we think of as the uncivilized west yeah it it yeah it it gives you a perspective on on it that like it wasn't just everybody you know everybody wasn't just some crazy savage everybody wasn't poor i mean they talk about they 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 hit it really hard the the class differences between like jim and everybody else even though he's sort of slumming it in these towns he's he's a he's upper class he's he's alone in the tr- inside the train there's so many open seats <laughs> and yet there's like 5000 people on Riding top of on the, the train yeah. cuz they can't afford it yeah um yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that I was just like, oh, look at this dope trying to put his boots on. <laughs> That's all I thought. Of. And I was super confused uh, when he when he went to what I thought was like where he lived. And then and uh, 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 what's her name? Ella. Yeah. When I thought I was like, 
I thought it was his wife. his wife. Yeah, his sexy French wife. And she's like, she really wants it. But he's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're going to fucking eat all this food. And then she just runs away. You know, tears her clothes off and gets in bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dope, dope yeah. character yeah. introduction. Totally Isabella Hubert. Huppert. Uh, she is fucking awesome. Yeah, and she's, she's really, really, great. really good. He's great, too. I, I was so impressed with the acting. Yeah. I really across the board. I haven't seen a lot of... Um, the shit the leads chris christopherson chris, chris, chris christopherson movies well he has him. a real like saggy tired weathered sexiness <laughs> weathered. repulsive it's like sensuality it's like if he got wet and dried in the sun over and over <laughs> again <laughs> yeah he's um, human leather yeah uh but we come to find out when we are introduced to christopher walken uh who is the character's name in the movie as well uh, we're introduced to <laughs> that El- is not true. No, his name is even crazier than that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Nathan Champion, <laughs> Nate Champion, and he's wearing eyeliner, right? Like a hundred percent. I mean, the question is, is he or is Christopher Walken some kind of vampire? Like beautiful is, man? Is he from another world? I think it's a question we we all still wonder. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. That's fair. Yeah. But so so is I think what one thing we can agree on. Yes. Beautiful eyes. Beautiful just eyes. <laughs> eyes that just pop. They just Someone come out of the screen. It was like they were it was like they were lined with something. <laughs> An eyeliner. Um but guy liner. We we find out here when when Nate Champion comes over to the house, uh he's gonna pay Ella to sleep with him. And we find out she is a, a hooker. Yeah, she's the madam. She's a she's madam. The madam, and, and, and all a these. There's a ton of of um, of uh, uh, prostitutes mm-hmm. in this in this house. And I, I I was a little confused about that house. So, I is it just a whorehouse brothel, or is it? I think there were two houses. There was like the girl's house and her house. But then, what wasn't? I, I, sometimes there were there was like a there was a place where a lot of people were sleeping in like a barn. Yeah, I thought that was like the was that the part girls. of it. Yeah. Okay, but but I felt like but they, they some of these people were getting room and board for the night. These immigrants oh, and they were trading oh. cattle that they stole. I don't. I think that was somewhere else. I remember the the scene you're talking about, where it was like there's people on the roof yeah, and the sides and everything, and walking everywhere, straight yeah. down it. That was somewhere else. Okay. Um, so this is just a uh, a place for sex. Yes. Okay. Um, and and what's weird to me is that. James and Nate like know each other and are kind of friendly. Um, Nate being sort of a hired enforcer by the rich folk. Right. And James being just uh, a law. law, Yeah. They like both frequent this establishment and Ella really like loves James, but he like still shows up and like pays her to sleep with him. But they're just like, sup Nate. But the, but James doesn't pay, right? James does not pay. Yeah. And she even brings that up. Mm-hmm. She's like, I, I never cheated on you. Yeah, you were the Nate, only Nate pays. I always made Nate pay. And I was like, thanks. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, you really value this relationship. Yeah. I think we have a different understanding than. But uh, it, it was interesting because normally that thing that's just like a character trait kind of thrown in there, but it's actually fairly important to this character. <laughs> Absolutely. Which uh, I I like despite, you know, she's like the only lady character and she has to be a hooker, I guess. But 
it was a rough time. I mean, that's, I mean, we talked about this before, like time travel is only a sexy idea if you're a white man. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, or really, you know what? I, I, th- I that's kind of a crass thing to say, even though it, it's uh, fairly accurate, but I think to, you could, you could just say a man of the ruling, um, uh, ethnicity, right? No matter where you are in the world, whatever the ruling ethnicity is and a man, that's the only time think time travel, like for women or people of color. And certainly in America, if you were like, let's do some time travel, they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. how far back? <laughs> yeah. Because like a hundred, hundred years is the max. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's when women could vote. Wow. That's when we were like, yeah, I guess they're people. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, it, and going going back to why this is important that she's a hooker is because she accepts payment in these stolen cattle that all these rich people are like super pissed about. Mm-hmm. So they people will show up and either pay money, and if they can't pay money, money they'll give her a cow that they stole. Right. And she has now made her way onto this kill list, um, which James finds out. And and a part of that is because of she you know. I mean, there's a lot of strikes against her. She's foreign. She's a prostitute. She's a prostitute, yeah. So there's a lot of shame. Even though everybody, you know, uses the services, they still shame the prostitute, which right. is fucked up. That's That was like in um, uh, Pas- or Last Temptation. Same That's thing. Right. Yeah. Very similar. And also, and I think <clears throat> I may have mentioned this in Last Temptation, but at all times, I'm I'm thinking about how so stinky sti- yeah. they must be so gross. I mean, when she took a bath in just that like lake. that bot that still body of water. <laughs> yes. No thanks. Um well I, I guess Yuck. maybe maybe this shows how naive naive I am. But it was like when James first gets to Ella Ella, yeah, Ella's yeah. house, he's like, I got you a present. And she's like, what is it? I want to see right now. And then they both run outside wrapped in I a love comforter. That. I absolutely love that they did that. <laughs> they're just naked. They're just going for it. They're, you know? they're both naked and they're yeah. wrapped in comforters and like her, her boobs are like half out. But then I was like, are those her neighbors? This is like these, these girls first, come out of the yeah, house and I'm like, like, Ooh, yeah, yeah look at this horse sure you yet. got me. And you don't really know what's going on, but she's like totally cool. Just standing there with her, like mm-hmm. tits hanging out, showing them this horse. I'm like, mm-hmm didn't think anything was weird then i'm like man the no. old west was cool yeah it was a great time back then <laughs> uh, it's but a good now, time to be naked yeah it makes sense now that when you realize that she's the madam and those are her like employees right uh basically but uh they james and ella seem to have this long-standing relationship um probably stemmed from initial visits and then over time kind of became more than that and that's like that's the first thing they teach you man you don't fall in love with a prostitute. No, <laughs> that's, no, you shouldn't do that. Absolutely not. Um, but he did, and she, you know, she loved him too. But uh, you know, honestly, she she made her way in the world, and she was an independent woman. And I think she valued her independence. She's a business owner, small business owner. Un- unless he said, "Marry me, I'll take care of you," and he wouldn't do that. Mm. Which we learn. I mean, we learn why eventually. Mm. I wrote here after we see the uh, whole song of the people rolling around a roller skating fiddler guy for no reason, (laughs) making sure we hear the whole song. That's the place called Heaven's Gate. Yeah. So, yeah, the that 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 was the first time in the movie where I was like, 
I could see how we could trim some stuff out of this movie. <laughs> like, there's no reason the whole thing has to play, or really almost any of this scene yeah. has to happen. But, uh, but yeah. you got to see a guy play fiddle on roller skates and do a whole song. That's right. The whole song. Too much. The whole song. Well, they did something like that in this new season of Stranger Things really? without giving anything away. Where two characters sing, in the middle of a pretty like bad time to be doing such a thing sing the entirety of the never-ending story theme song. Okay. Yeah. Is it plot relevant? Is there like a hidden piece of information hidden in the no. lyrics of okay? No, I mean, I mean it. it no. Okay. <laughs> I, I did. I, having said that, I did like this season. I have, it was more good than bad. I have not watched it, but that ice cream is this dope. Is some pretty bad, bad though. You tried the you tried the ice cream? Oh no, it's ice cream is amazing. It's so it's good. It has shit I can't eat in it, and I just went for you it. You did it anyway. Yeah. yeah, I know, and I and I don't feel bad about it. My stomach does, but <laughs> also that's, that's also what it, before right before the roller skating rink. I was. I wrote. They ride into town. People are just absolutely everywhere. How did they make this movie? Yeah, it, it's still amazing. Like even today, it would be very, very hard to do a lot of the. the it's crowd unbelievable. Stuff. Yeah. It's oh, just as an update, I think that ship is getting closer. Just looking at the radar. Oh, okay. Just giving when an you, update. When do you when when do you want to pop over? We should get halfway through the movie. Are we, are we not? Halfway We're not. Through? No, oh. no. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, man, I've, I've just realized we've already talked about a lot of this stuff sort of out of order. It's um, okay. There, and I don't think again, people come to this for a chronological exploration of a movie they haven't seen. Here, I guess this should have been another hint about the whole goings on at Ella's. Was a dude playing guitar in a bed with a bunch of naked ladies hanging around him, <laughs> and <laughs> idiot old me sitting still over here just going, "Man, old west, <laughs> yeah." I also wrote that this movie has about three hundred percent too much dancing. <laughs> it really does, and it's the kind of dancing where they just spin in circles, uh, and are very rigid and don't move. Because like we saw everybody do that at Harvard, then we see everybody do it in Heaven's Gate, and then we get to watch just Ella and Jim do it with the band in Heaven's Gate, and it's look boring every single time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, so it was after that that, and you like you were saying, there's the guitarist and and or the they're just like chilling. And then you re- that's when you really realize, oh, this is a brothel. Yeah. Because that's and... when Nate shows up because he, quote, felt Jim return. Exactly. I don't know what that means. It's the, it's the force. Oh, right. It's the force. Um, but then there was – so then there was um, – there was a part where uh, somebody rides away <laughs> at night with a mountain in the background. Uh-huh. I want to know how on earth they photographed that. With a mountain in the back? Yeah. Oh, there's so, like, so you it was see nighttime. It? Yeah, and it, like you couldn't. I mean, y- y- we would have a hard time photographing that now with the modern HD cameras that can record in darkness. Think it was fake? No, I don't. I don't think it was fake. And I think that that's a that's a question. I think this ship. Oh yeah. I think. Did you hear that? Uh, do I have to put in like a kachuk? I think the ship. I mean, I don't know if the mics caught it yeah they probably they did. might have uh been a little off i think i think oh hey <laughs> this is crazy 
Oh my goodness! This is—is is this a first for the Criterionauts? Yes. I think uh, I think that there's the the ship is just docked, and I think we're we're joined now by our special guest. Uh, he is a guy that that uh, you all know and love. Uh, it's President Barack Obama. <laughs> uh, that's not true. No. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's it's famed f- uh, film and television editor Skip McDonald, who worked on this movie. Skip, this is crazy. <laughs> Whoa! Look who it is! It, it's it's Skip McDonald. Is that too loud? Am I too loud? You're you're really excited about it, but it's fine. I <laughs> well, think it's there's a lot to be excited about. Should I do it again? No. Oh great! Well, leave the cracks in there. And oh everything. man! <laughs> I was wondering who came out off of that craft. It was Skip. How you doing, Skip? I'm doing very well. Good to see you, Chris. Good to see you, Joey. In outer space, I guess. Yeah, here we are. We're doing. Just floating <laughs> through the cosmos. The stars are beautiful up here. Man, that, see, you you're, can you're see doing them a lot it, better. Skip, you're playing with us. Yeah, this is good. Um, well, so nice of you to drop by. This is what it's an unexpected treat. I mean, uh, because not only are you uh, uh, an incredibly accomplished and award-winning editor um, uh, these days, back in the day. Uh, when they made this movie that we are discussing at this very moment, you worked on this movie. Yes, I did. That was, for me, I was doing sound effects work, and it was like a year and a half of my life of holy seven-day weeks, long hours, you know, 100-hour-plus weeks we were doing for quite a while. Wow. How did you get onto that? Like, how did that come about? Um, the The... Sound supervisor that I was working with has he did Michael Cimino's first movie that or the previous movie Deer Hunter and I was movie. working with him and then he got called in to do that movie. Okay, Gate. so I went along with him and held on for the ride. Oh my did god! Did he have um, was was Deer Hunter as crazy? Like going into Heaven's Gate coming from Deer Hunter was he like buckle up or was this sort of like new waters? This was I mean I. Deer Hunter was a tough show and a big show, but this was a little more new waters because of the success Chimino had from Deer Hunter. Right. It was just like, here's the train. There's no stopping it at Lookout. <laughs> and this train is covered in thousands of people lots on top lots of the of, train. Lots yes. of extras and people. Lots of extras. God, there's so many people it's, in this. It's crazy. And one of the things I wondered specifically for sound, so when they arrive in, when that train, uh, for, when Jim... Um, Chris Christopherson first arrives in Casper, Wyoming. There's so many people. There's, th- I mean, there are thousands of people in, yes. in some of these shots. And I, what I, and of course, there's so much sound design. Yes. Like how much, how much of that was production? How much w- did they record Walla? Did they record Groot? Like how much of that was built? And a how lot difficult of it, was a that? A lot of it was built, but there was because of the location and stuff. The sound mixer and the production mixer got a lot of the sound. The train that was used was brought in specifically by Chimino because he wanted that specific train. <laughs> I was going to say his personal train. I don't know <laughs> if it's personal, but that was his train. Got to get chose. my train guy. <laughs> and, you know, they had all the train sounds and they had all the, the people and we would just continue to build on that. That's crazy. But one thing about that town that they pulled into, because it was... I think it was government land or it was Indian reservation land. They had to build 
the streets six inches off the ground so they would not disturb the natural terrain. Whoa. So wait. So what? Whoa. There's what a was, fake, what there's a fake they, street. What were they? What was under it? Like, was the, it just like they supported by little? They put like, you know, uh, four by four columns, you know, risers up and built a, a wooden platform above the ground because Holy they didn't shit. want the wagons and the horses and all the people destroying the, the land. That's crazy. Yeah. Why, yep. not, why not just go somewhere else at, at that point, <laughs> or or build a whole nother town somewhere, that, somewhere else? That you'll have to ask the director because I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> now, what? How much interaction did you have with Michael Cimino? Um, we had quite a bit of interaction. He would come by and we would preview sounds for him and spend a lot of time discussing what he was looking for mm-hmm. in in the design and stuff. But most of the interaction with him was was on the dub stage. And how specific, was he very specific with the things that he wanted or was he more like a vague, yeah. I'll, I'll know it when I hear it. Yeah. Type? It, it was more of a thing, you know, because the sound supervisor, he had worked with them before. So they, he kind of trusted him and just said, run with it and you know, we'll, we'll refine as we go. But if you have anything specific, then we can work from there. What was he like? I mean, the, you know, at this point, uh, so much of him has become legend and there there's not a lot of there aren't a lot of I don't know firsthand accounts of like what what was he like to work obviously he was notoriously challenging yes uh, and we've all worked with and for some very challenging filmmakers Um, but what what was the process of working with him like I mean interacting with him, interacting with he was he was always very pleasant with us I never had any big run-ins, but I have seen and heard other people with big run-ins with him because if you didn't do something the way he wanted it to and you were fighting him, he would turn on you. Uh, Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, I know that. I don't know how many people know this, but Tom Rolfe was the original editor on Heaven's Gate. Mm. And at some point, they just stopped using him. Well, like mid, he, so he was show. coming into work and oh, yeah. just like nothing was going on? Yeah, he would come into work and he'd sit and read the paper all day. And at one point they took his chem off a rental, so they put a cover on it and what? a wreath that it had passed away. What? <laughs> yes. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, why, don't you just fire the guy at that point? Or? I guess they couldn't because of his contract. So oh, he would come in and God. get paid every day. That's And amazing. I know one of, one of the assistants was now... The pair of hands for Tremino was working for him or with him instead of Tom. Wow. Who's credited as the editor of that movie? I think Tom is credited with it, but there, there's like four people credited because they brought in, uh, oh God, I can't remember all the other people. There were a lot of- You're forgiven. It was, it was some years <laughs> ago. Yes. It was almost 40 years. There, Eight, 1980, this 1980, movie? yeah. yeah that, so next year will be 2020. I mean, that's yeah. 40 years. That's crazy. Yeah, well- I'm only 23. I was going to say, yeah, like, what were you, 10 working on that movie? I told them that. The labor codes. Hollywood was very different back then. Four years before I was born. And this movie came out, and it made him feel very bad. I was was two. I was born in 78. Um, And that's the first time I saw it when I was two. And I loved it when I was two. I know this is not really a, a sound question. So actually, you know what? As long as we're talking about it. Because now we're so used to, I mean, we're sitting here recording on a tiny little digital recorder in our room full of computers and everything (laughs) is done digitally. But in 1979, 1980, for a year and a half of your life, you're not working with computers. No, it was all film. It was all mag stripe and work picture. 
And so did you, when you were pulling sound effects and building things, were you pulling them from, I mean, how is, how did that work? Yeah. The, we, was there was physical tape. It was stuff, physical right? mag stripe tape, 35 millimeter mag stripe. There was a library that the guy I worked with had. So you'd look it up and find it. You'd get it, take it over to the transfer facility. They would make a copy of it for you. And that's what you would cut with. Holy shit. Whoa. So it was a big process. And ever, and you're losing a generation every time. Are, I mean, is mag? Are you losing when you go it from mag to mag? It, it feels like it holds up because you were from the main generation. If it was, it was one generation, which wasn't a big thing at that point. It was, yeah, it wasn't like going like losing generation on film or on VHS. Yeah, really, you'd lose it like tape to tape. Yeah, because they would do the same thing. They would they would take it and set up a tone for a level. And then copy it straight. It was basically a one to one copy of it. Got it. And so then, did you have just a room full of boxes of like train, uh, you know, other train, yeah, More wagon train. wheel crash? Yeah, there were there were racks and racks and racks full of these sounds, and we'd have to. They were all logged and categorized, and we'd go find them and pull them and send them out and get them copied. I'm imagining like a pharmacy. <laughs> Like when you see like just these like racks and racks and they're yes. like, uh, let me see if we have that. And they yes. disappear. That's like you'd have, they'd like dispatch you. They'd be like, McDonald, go get the the horse Winnie. Not that horse Winnie, you fool. <laughs> this one. Yeah. 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 That would be very specific. You'd, and then you'd get, you know, you have five boxes of horse, different horse effects. So you'd listen to them and say, okay, this is the one we want to use or try these three. And, and you'd go from there. At what point? in your experience did you did you and others start to realize this thing is going uh, this thing is kind of off the rails um i think fairly early on because they were still in production when we started and when they threw a party that they had finally shot a million feet of film <laughs> and the chem company sent out a massive cake and it was just like a big party and it was there was no control going on at all <laughs> because the at that point the studio had kind of given him carte blanche they cuz based on the success of the deer hunter they're like you're the hottest director in the world right now you know this is your your dream go bring it to us and it's going to be amazing yeah yeah they trusted him 100% and by the time they realized it was so out of control, it was so far beyond anything that they couldn't <laughs> pull the plug on it. Because at that point, it was over $40 million. Wow. Which uh, we'll have to look up was, what that would be in today's dollars. It's a lot of money. Yes. A lot, a lot of money. Yeah. How, how far into the editing process uh, was it when you guys started putting sound to it? Like, are you, because I know my experience with today's stuff, we're chasing with sound like immediately. But I imagine yeah. with everything being physical tapes and being so time intense, as you you did you wait for a while? Like well, we would uh, we we came on. I'm guessing a little past halfway of shooting. Okay. And so they already had sequences cut and things like that. So when we started, we would get anything that we could and start building upon that, in anticipation of of other things to see what was coming. And we did do a lot of foley, a lot of those kind of works and we did go out and record stuff too oh cool so we would get at, in those days it was the nagra which was you know the quarter inch reel to reel tapes mm -hmm. and you'd go places and record things we just watched a sound documentary for this very show called uh, blowout 
or John Travolta as a sound man, and that is kind of the extent of my knowledge of <laughs> how this this process. Now, works. When you say we just watched that, you mean we're hoping to watch. We're that hoping at some to watch that in the next future. Episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is what I think you meant by that. A little that. peek behind the curtain here. Uh, but yeah, that yeah, was He like, had a Nagra. He was out there recording with a Nagra. That's what that the, the box was with uh, the, his yeah. little his yeah. thing where he had the microphone and he's pointing the microphone. Not that we've seen it yet, but if we have. <laughs> um, is your voice in the in the movie anywhere? Like did did you record any Walla or Foley? It's like your your no. deep background during the train or something? No, because in those days you had to go to a specific stage. Oh, okay. And it was, had to be set up. It wasn't like you could just pick a microphone up and do it. Okay. Because there was such a big process of getting it from whatever medium you recorded it to over to a place to get it copied and transferred to something you could use. Oh, okay. So it was the days where you had to get groups of people on the ADR stage to do Walla and those kind of things. But How, how big was a group? Uh, for like these massive scenes, how big was that? Like a a loop group for that? Well, they they didn't use a lot because they just got people to do little specific things. Because just you copy. could get other, like the production wall. There was a lot of the group stuff that was used there, so we could reuse that. Oh, okay. And plus, pull in stuff from other periods of of time and try to just to fill it in. Like I I feel like the temper, whatever the word is, temperature of this movie is like. It's it's looked upon more favorably now than when it was released. Oh yeah. Like how how was it going up to release? Did it, like everyone on it is like, is this going to be like the biggest thing ever, or is this like at, at that point because the production had been so troubled? Is it just like I don't know about this? No, whole thing. people had high hopes for it. Okay. But because Chimino would come around to the offices at some point and said, if anybody speaks to the press, you will be fired. So nobody was allowed to speak to the press. He wouldn't speak to the press. And I think that was the downfall of everything Mm -hmm. because he was trying to avoid everything, didn't want anybody to know anything. And around the same time, I think it was the long riders came out and he was beside himself because they had the long coats that he had used in his movie. And he was so upset that somebody leaked out that information. Uh, Is it confirmed that it was a like a leak of some sort? Nobody or? ever confirmed that. He was just saying somebody leaked it to him because they've got it out before we do. Oh, okay. But he was very paranoid about the press and everything, so it was just they didn't look at it favorably because he wouldn't speak to him or deal with them at all. And wow. was he communicating at all with the... St- I mean, was the studio trying to intervene and trying to take rest control of the movie from him i i don't think they ever tried to take it from him but i think they were trying to get involved and try to help the process along but he just kept shutting everybody out because he had full control now you were saying and i can't remember if you said this when we were recording uh how long was that that first editor's cut the first editor's cut was six hours long (sighs) and we ended up doing a full temp mix on it oh my god oh, there's a lot and it just so you know there's a lot involved in it like on a stage temp mix so like yes. a, yeah so uh, the, the, it, there's so much prep that goes into an like a full mix when you're especially when you're using mag and film and your everything is being done with physical media yeah that's I mean how long was the temp mix for that temp mix probably was three weeks long holy shit this is and this is just like let's see how it let's see and that's a six hour movie six hour movie just to, he, so so they think can, they were gonna put out a six hour movie like why would he have you guys do that 
because he was out of control and nobody was stopping him. And he wanted to be able to sit back and watch it in a theater like it was finished. How long was the script? Or was there ever a finished script? I don't know, because I don't think I ever read the script. Mm. We just had some of them to work with, and we don't, we didn't do a lot of work from the script, like in picture. So I don't, I never really read the script, and I don't know how long it was originally. Because, I mean, they had to have some idea. Um, it just as an update, uh, in today's dollars, $40 million uh, is uh, $124.5 <laughs> So that's a lot of money. Yeah, it actually caused United Artists to close their doors. I guess they weren't so united after that. <laughs> they were divided artists. Yes. Did they ever... So, okay, so there are two different versions of this movie, which we discovered when we were, we're trying, getting trying ready. To yeah, it. because we're trying to find a way. And so ultimately you can you can rent the version that the Criterion Collection has uh, on Amazon, there's, there's two versions. One is two like hours, an, it's, it's an hour like, shorter. It's yeah. like th- right around three hours. That was the original released version. Okay, so that was the theatrical <laughs> cut. Yes, and then the three forty one is. I think that's more of, more of a director's or? cut. Yes, and I, was when was that? D- did you like once it came out? Did would you did you continue working on it? No, or? no, because I didn't. We had nothing to do with the three hour and forty minute version as far as a mix. Got it. Unless they took stuff that was from like the temp mix that we did for the six hour version and just condensed that down. I wonder if Criterion like helped get that other version. It's possible put together. It's definitely yeah. possible. But that would have uh, been like after he passed away, I assume, right? Has he passed away? Yeah. Did, didn't we talk about? We did. We, yeah, we had some argument about that. <laughs> whether because I, I thought he was he had passed away. It's been like three years or something. Like three or four years, I uh, think. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe he it was still alive then when it came to Criterion because I don't. I think it came out before Blu-ray. Like it's been. Yeah, it's re- been released. You're welcome. Before. Thank you. Uh, Are you looking up Chimino? Looking it up. Yeah, I'm trying to. Well, I'm trying. I'm looking up the movie and trying to figure out. Like when the the dates were the internet here in um, space is <laughs> is a little it's slow. just a little slow. Um, so so you've got this six hour version. Does the studio know that it's a six hour version at that point? Oh yeah, and they're like uh, red alert. There's a you know no they just because they knew it was the first cut too, but so they weren't really jumping all over it saying what are we going to do is because they knew that it would get cut down some, but they. But doing a mix on that six-hour version, I, I feel like somebody would just be like, eh, you sure you want to do that? Yeah, but it was like, you know, in those days it was 10-minute reels. Yeah. So you had to mix 10 minutes at a time. And at, <laughs> at one point, I think on the temp mix, at one point there were two stages going. But when we did the final mix on the final show, there were four stages going, and three of those were going 24 hours a day. Wow. And it was just back and forth across town from one stage to another, just making sure things were going right. So, okay, this is interesting. There are there are a lot of different versions of this movie that that have been released. Because um, apparently they they released a 219 minute version of this movie for one week and yanked it. <laughs> And then it came back out. Just kidding, guys. Uh, just kidding. Short, much shorter. Um, but the version that we saw 
uh, what is the digitally restored director's cut. Okay. And it was restored in 2012 for the 69th Venice Film Festival. And it was based on the initial release with the intermission removed and it was slightly shortened. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so did at, at any point did this or at what point did the studio come in and say, you got to get this movie under a certain amount of time? I don't think the studio ever came in and said anything. Really? No. I wonder why he did then. I wonder why. Or like maybe because it was such a huge <clears throat> failure once yeah. it came out. And I do know that we went to they went to a preview in New York. And at that point, with credits and everything, it was three hours and three minutes. And the theater said, we won't run it unless it's under three hours. <laughs> so they went in and just cut the credits off the end. Oh. It was under three hours and ran the movie. Wow. <laughs> that's not allowed. That's, that's, that's tricky <laughs> stuff. Really it was. That's some point. tricky math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So in, in, in all of your experience, because at this point now you've had so many, so much experience in film and television, um, did you ever have another experience that was quite this extended and uh, uh, troubled, I guess? No, not, not to that degree. You know, there have been shows where you work long hours and stuff, but not for that period of time and just not having any real direction with where it was going to go just because he just kept screwing around with it and never really locking it down until the very end. I'm surprised they that he actually put it out, honestly. Like, if he had all the time and money in the world to do whatever he wanted, like, I can't believe he finished it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think because it was a passion project for so many years that he finally wanted to see it see out, it out yeah. yeah. How well, many people were on that sound team? Oh, there were, as far as the editorial staff, there were five editors and up to four assistants at one point. And did you ever end up sleeping at the cutting room or? Yes, many nights. Many we were, nights? Yes, you would, you would try to grab three or four hours of sleep just because there was so much to do and you would just conk out and get back up and start working. Jesus, did they have turnaround at that point? Or was that, I don't know when that was in. Yeah, I don't know what the turnaround was at that point, but it was. You I'm know, sure it was more than three hours. Yeah, it was <laughs> more than turnaround three Turnaround is but, a union term for yeah. the minimum required time mm. between the time you leave and the time you start work again in the morning. And uh, it's currently eight hours. Yes. So they extend it to I nine. Think nine. They keep oh, trying to get it to extend and they keep saying like, nah, you editors. You don't need more sleep. <laughs> you sit most of the day anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but there were there were a few instances we were there all night and spent a couple days there. And is Chimino there too when you're working through those nights? Sometimes, but not always. I mean, he would he would come in mid-morning and then work for quite a while, disappear, and then come back late at night and work for a while. How many times... Because I, I know, like, working for Michael Mann, I, I he screened the movie... He screened the entire movie almost every day, uh, and that was in that was in two thousand, you know, three two thousand four mm -hmm. through through you know through two thousand six. Uh, but I know that on in the nineties on Heat, he screened it every forty eight hours, and they had four editors working, some digital, some film, and they were They were they were uh, uh, putting the picture together every forty eight hours. And they had so. How often did Chimino 
watch the movie? Do you remember? And I like, don't. I don't remember how often he watched it because there were there were like at one point I think there were four different editors working, and he would go from room to room and see what their progress was. So I, if it was once a week, I'd be surprised because they were always in some form of of cutting. God, and then so he, insane. Yeah, like making a six hour movie today would be hard. Like that's, oh my god, that's a long well, thing. But now it would just be a limited series, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe yeah, yeah, Marvel or Netflix show. Um, yeah. Well, man, I th- you know, I thanks for stopping by. Is this? I mean, we've taken probably enough time. Yeah, right? I think yeah. I think that's good. Um, but yeah, thanks for for swinging by the ship. I'm glad of you course. were kind of in the neighborhood. And thanks yeah. for sharing. I some saw of your the beacon flashing, so I figured I'd check it out and see what's going on over here. Is there? Well, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, is quality there, yes ending there, going there, on here? There, yeah, it's really good. Uh, are there are there any other? I I, I can't remember because I feel like this keeps coming up at lunch. We're like save it for the microphones. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, I can't. Is there anything else that that we've talked about, or are there any other? anecdotes that you've always wanted to share with people or anyone you want to throw under the bus real quick (laughs) while we got a microphone no i can't remember i mean we've touched on a lot of the big points and stuff like that so i have one more question before we go okay did anybody ever say to chimino maybe don't put the first dialogue scene in the middle of a marching band (laughs) no did anybody ever say do we even need this 45 minute Harvard sequence or wherever the fuck they were? Yale or the Harvard? I think it's Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. Did anybody ever be like, no, was it, was it Harvard or Oxford? It was Oxford. Buddy. Oxford. Oxford. It's Oxford. They were in England. Hey, listen, <laughs> who knows? What did you work who's, on it or something? Who's to say, <laughs> who's to say we saw it were. once a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, I think we know with the two, with Chris Christopherson and, and, uh, John Hurt, the two oldest college students of all time. Yes. Um, Fresh faced and but that thirty was a, to forty. In, in that instance, too, they ended up having to cover the streets with dirt, so they could make it feel like the authentic time period. What making movies is such a nightmare. <laughs> like, there's no reason for them to exist. God or the universe always fights and doesn't want you to make the movie. That's sometimes insane. it's right though. Yeah, yeah sometimes, sometimes it's right. right. Um, well. Uh, before you hop back on your ship, uh, so you you recently cut uh, El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. But, yes, I uh, did. But uh, it just how how did that stack up to Heaven's Gate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a Is breeze. It same length. Six hour first cut. Yeah, six hour six first hour cut. first cut. We talking? What are we? We're yeah. coming in three forty roughly. <laughs> yeah, final no. cut or is I it don't more even, like a regular length movie that people it, enjoy? It'll be a regular length movie, but I don't even think our first cut was as long as the final, the shortest release version of Heaven's Gate. Oh my God! I think you're right. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people are super excited to see that, and uh, uh, I can't you, wait. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've got Netflix, you should check it out. And uh, it sounds really good. I wish we could all have seen it already. <laughs> is it finished? No. <laughs> Man, is any movie really finished? Yeah, that's, Just that's ask that's Michael Cimino. <laughs> that's right. The filmmaker of Heaven's Gate. Um, well, the movie is Heaven's Gate. The filmmaker is Skip McDonald. Skip, thank you for stopping by the NPR studios. <laughs> Thanks for having me here in in the uh, beautiful outer world, and uh, I've enjoyed my time here. Yeah, all right. Uh, Oh, all right. Take care, Skip. (laughs) 
that, that was, was awesome. awesome. Yeah, so that crazy. That was so cool. I, what an what an unusual experience here on the spaceship. Yeah, uh, just people popping in. You know, it's great. I wish more people would come and visit, especially if they had like really pertinent information because <laughs> yeah. they had firsthand knowledge. It's so cool to get firsthand information because this movie is, as we discussed a little bit, it's so notorious. Yeah, and and getting to hear a little bit about about you know what it was actually like to be there working with and for michael cimino Cimino, yeah (laughs) yeah so anyway so that was exciting hope that was a treat for everybody yeah it was very cool i i didn't even know he was working on this i just heard like i came in late or something and heard you talking about the movie yeah and then found out later after we decided to watch it that he had worked on it so it's like got to hear the the reveal all over again was pretty crazy but uh, um, pretty pretty rad to hear his take on it, and to also hear that he's as crazy as as it sounded. Well, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, not Skip. Yeah, no, Skip. Sim- Skip is Skip is a he's a, a lovely delight. man. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway, uh, let's go back to our rich folks as they start to process their kill list and just randomly shooting people. Like we really skipped ahead. You skipped. You skipped the introduction of Terry O'Quinn, of Patriot and Lost and Perpetual I, Grace Limited fame. I, I thought that was him. Yeah, but he had hair. Yeah, so it's he not Terry O'Quinn. No, it's him. He probably has a different name when he They're had having hair. like a day, daytime baseball game out in the middle of a field. Oh right, how would I that's forget? That's when he gets the list. That's the, how he gets the list and finds out that Ella's on it for from Terry O'Quinn. Right. Yeah, this is almost two hours into the movie. And then Ella's kind of like she goes to Nate's house. Can I? Can I just state? Sorry, I, I know you're on Please, a roll here. No, you're two hours in. Almost. We almost have the driving force of the movie established, and <laughs> there is still enough time left for a full movie. Yeah. An yeah. hour and thirty six fucking minutes yeah. left. Oh yeah. <laughs> At this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh anyway, go on. Yes. This movie is way too long. It's way too long. Um I mean it's it, and the reason it's I mean, this is the craziest thing about this movie. And I I I mean even though it just happened a few minutes ago, I can't remember if we talked about this with Skip or not. <laughs> but uh when when Nate goes and confronts Jim uh at at like a I went back a little bit, mm-hmm. but it, there's a window behind him, <laughs> and there was a juggler. Why? Just the whole time, just a juggler. It's like, what, the, I what, have no idea what, what happened in that madness. conversation. What ab- guys, you're just staring at I'm a juggler. Staring you're at like, the juggler. I, is this really happening? How are they doing this? What talk about a lot of pressure for that that like extra outside? Yeah. It's just like, oh, he fucked up his juggling again. I guess we have to start the dialogue over. <laughs> There's where the a dude, actors are doing things. There's a dude juggling outside the window while Jim and Nate have this serious conversation about Ella, and it's ludicrous. It's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. And it's perfectly framed by the window that's yes. be- between the two characters. It's totally it's like, nuts. It's kind of like every shot in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I haven't seen it in when a it's, decade. It's like, it's like the shots are about the windows. Like... Oh. <laughs> And it Coruscant, and it's just like a city, an impossible city going on in the background. And you're like, I can't pay attention to the dialogue yeah. that's happening. These boring people talking. Yeah. There's when flying cars. There's just rows and rows of flying cars out there. There's a dude juggling out there. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> but I was what I was going to say uh, is that Nate takes Ella to his house, 
where he's freshly wallpapered the house. <laughs> and uh, he lives with Mickey Rourke, which is like, what are you doing in this movie, Mickey Rourke? I and, had no idea that was him. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I, and and then um, and then one, some guy who looked like one of the ash-faced guys from the Showtime Twin Peaks. <laughs> those guys who just came in and like swept things up, whatever those guys were. Yeah, the, the weird... They have Look, names. Ash I don't people, remember um, what they're they're, the, they're 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 they have some name like the you know the the sweepers or something <laughs> something crazy. That's kind of funny. You you bring up Twin Peaks because I was thinking about what we would what we talked about that re or, or the return season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, there was so much fat here, and I would just love to trim out so much of it. But then it was like. Would the stuff be as rad? No, if the you good, trimmed out the fat, the the pro- yes, the, this I think, movie I think more so than Twin Peaks would. I don't, but, I don't, I I think, but the rad stuff in this is the fat is the problem. Yeah, I mean that this is it's less of a story and more of like a mood. I yeah, mean, the, the the I just I felt like I was there. I really felt I I in a way that I rarely feel in a movie. You just feel this incredible sense of place, mm-hmm. and you and, and because it, I, there's there's just such texture to everything, and it all I don't know I I, I I've, it's an I've attention never... to detail a madman with a billion dollars has, and that's yeah. why you never see it. But what's crazy is so like you know James Cameron's a madman, and right. he and he created entire worlds with avatar and I, I, apparently he's doing you know even crazier stuff with the new avatar movies that nobody asked for <laughs> yeah and and like it, it, those movies don't have the same sense of of place and yeah. scope i think it's just because everything is so like earthy and tactile it's like real yeah and it's real you it actually feels like you get to see like an old west town yeah, it were like the closest I've ever been to seeing that is like Deadwood, which is a TV show which they, you know, they built a town street, but it's it's got a decent amount of people, but it's not this. Like it's not. It's not a train covered in thousands of people. Yeah. I mean, at this point, there must be twenty five thousand people in this movie. Yeah, like but we're only two hours. <laughs> we're also only two hours into this podcast. Yeah, strap in. We're we're, we're doing pretty good on time, I think, because there's there's not much left. No. No, like you said, Frank Canton, Sam Waterston's character, who looks like he looks like a like a cartoon Russian, like from uh, <laughs> like he looks like a Bolshevik. Like he kind of always does, hat. though. Your his you, eyebrows kept growing. Did you ever see the Saturday Night Live commercial for robot insurance when he was on there? And he was it was like basically trying to sell. Um, uh, I, th- I think it was it was insurance against the robots. And it was like, <laughs> no, know, I haven't. For seen when this. the robots come for you, and they will come for you. But it's it's Sam Waterston is the pitch man. Look it up if you're out there listening and and you and you like a, a laugh. It's it's like a fake commercial for. Uh, I think it's an, I think it's robot insurance. His daughter is a very good actress. I didn't even realize that was his daughter for the longest time. I, I did I was in um with one of his other daughters I was in uh I did Summerstock Theater. Oh when really? I was, when I was 18 in the uh Arizona? No, in Williamstown, Massachusetts. Oh. At the Williamstown Theater Festival. Is that how it's pronounced with Probably. I don't I mean, know how I'm you sure, put knows? that in the yeah. Williamstown Theater Festival. It was a great time. <clears throat> That's cool. Talented family them. Yeah. Uh, yup. 
So uh, I, I think I'm going to be skipping ahead a little bit more here. Uh, Jim decides to go tell all the immigrants about the kill list at Heaven's Gate, t- the titular building, Heaven's Gate. Right. Uh, and I was all real worried we were going to sit here for 125 names. <laughs> like being this movie yeah. in particular, we get like 10 or so in. I'm like, oh, God. It's not stopping, <laughs> and it's it just sort of whips these these immigrant families into this frenzy of like, well, what the fuck do we do? Right, we can't like the the government is essentially on their side. Like, what do what do we do? And it's we kind of just leave that. Like that sucks. Any, right. Anyway, let's go back over um, the association. Oh god, this is this is the tough part of the movie. The association people finally make it to Ellis. Um that was rough. Yeah, so we we get three dudes go into Ellis. They attack her. They've already killed all the rest of the women in the house. Yeah, all the all the the employees in the other house are all dead. Yep. And um these three dudes come into Ella's house and are just like being weird and creepy and eventually just like hold her down and attack her. Which I mean, I, which is, I think is another part of the movie telling you what it's really about. This isn't about immigrants. It's just about power. Mm -hmm. It's about people who feel disempowered and they want to take that power back. Right. So Jim shows up and kills all of them. Which is pretty dope. Yeah, uh, this is that's badass. Two hours and twenty six minutes in, something happens. Is what I wrote. <laughs> something finally that's happens. True. That uh, was a rough scene. Man. That was it was real rough, and it was also one of those just like with the names. I was like, all right, this is usually at the point where it's interrupted, and right. it just like wasn't. Yeah. It's like this is going. All right, all right, all right, all right, and then everybody gets shot, and I was like, okay. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, they they kill all her prostitutes, and it was Jim was frustrated with her kind of before when he had told her about this list that she wasn't like immediately willing to just leave. He's like, "Yeah, let's get come away with me," and she's like, "Well, you want to marry me?" And he's like, "Fucking, let's go, let's just go. <laughs> Stop talking about marriage, let's go." Yeah. So she she like wouldn't do it because this is her land and her place and her business, and. Now I now I everyone's starting to kind of take this this list serious and trying to figure out what to do about it. Um, oh fuck! I scrolled the wrong direction on my notes. Um, so one of the rapists gets away, yeah. which we um, we reconnect with him momentarily when uh, Nate who is hired by the rich folks to sort of be an enforcer shows up and shoots the other rapist, like in front of the other, well, other it, rich people in the tent. This may be a semantic difference, but he wasn't really hired. They're all going after it's like cash prizes basically. Oh, like is, for is each that, person you kill, you get like 50 bucks or right. something like that. But I thought he was like their dude before that as well. He definitely was in league with them. Yeah. And and which is what Jim is like. You, this is this is you see the people that you're in league with? Like mm-hmm. the, this is what you're about. Uh so he he kills the the last dude that got away. Essentially tells them all to go fuck themselves. Um and this is during this conversation where she where Ella says I I never cheated on you. I always made Nate pay. 
Yeah. I was like, ah, cold comforts. It's rough. Guess. It's weird. And then I don't know what happened, but I just wrote Isabella Hubert's amazing. She's amazing. Um, well, how about, I mean, at this point, I mean, this is like things start happening rapidly. Yeah. There's like, fuck, it's two and a half hours. Yeah. And we got to wrap days. this up. Yeah. And uh, like uh, the, the, Nate confronts Sam Waterston, who basically tells him to eat a dick. <laughs> um, and uh, the townspeople want to like turn people in mm-hmm. from the list to try and protect themselves. Can we talk about that moment real quick? They wake sure. Jim up in his house. Yeah. Good thing he had his bedside whip to That's like right. protect himself. That's right. He wake. He's startled, and instead of like a bat or or yeah. like a gun or something, he has a whip. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what Indiana Jones has, too. Probably, but, like, how do you do that <laughs> laying down? <laughs> it was just, like, in reach, and that was the only thing. I like to think it and was there. drunk. As, yeah, maybe. Uh, I like to think that's his, like, nighttime protection. <laughs> I just, like, have a whip next to my... Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it inspired me. If I've you... got one now. <laughs> you just got to get in close, and I can't wind up. <laughs> Come closer e- to me. Easily, easily defeatable. Come closer. Um, but, yeah, this... I one two skip a few. Ella or uh, Nate is at his house Ooh. with uh, a couple of his buds, Nikki Rourke and uh, the Twin bald, Peaks ball guy, kind of beardy ball guy. He uh, is going out to take a bath and is ambushed or or st- held up by Sam Waterston and Co. Yep, and essentially tells him to go back in the house and bring them out and will won't shoot until you yeah. are out of the way. Um, whoops yeah it goes poorly for everyone in Nate's house including for Nate um, who is shot the most times I've ever seen someone shot outside of Robocop that was insane um, Christopher Walken sure can die for a very long time holy shit uh, they set his house on fire his his like kindling house and burn it all down and yeah. Nate's dead uh, anyway Nate's, <laughs> Chris- but, he, but he writes he clearly writes some kind of like death note yeah, and dude. he puts it in his pocket, and then he goes out. But Ella's on her way there, and she sees the siege, and she like separates from her her gift carriage and like rides off on her horse, right? And right. she narrowly escapes. She finds all these bullets. She finds him first, um, and then Jim comes up uh, outside of that, like just wanders on up separately. That's a good question. I don't remember that. <laughs> they, I just I remember they both find Nate's body because that's when they find the note and didn't get like a good look at it. But it was essentially saying like what happened. I was killed by. Oh, that's later. That's okay. Later. She takes him back later or something. Yeah. So so yeah. Because so 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 she escapes and then there's that scene, another scene at Heaven's Gate where Brad Dourif suddenly has this like monologue <laughs> and like what is that accent like every, but everything in the movie <laughs> felt super authentic and people were speaking other languages and it felt very authentic. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what planet Brad Dourif like descended from, but he's so good though. I, I, lo- I love Brad Dourif. I love him usually. And not in this one. I don't one. know what he's doing in this movie. <clears throat> and so that, Oh God. No, I was going to say he's just, he's just doing a, he's doing a scene. And then that that's at the point that's where Ella goes to Jim and he's basically like, I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want me to say? I told right. you so. Right. And then, and then the immigrants 
attack the bad guys. That's yeah. when the this is the big ending climactic battle, mm-hmm. which is we're back to like massive set piece of dozens and dozens of horses doing like the thing where there's rings of them running in opposite directions. So it just like tricks your eye into seeing way too much stuff. I wrote, I wrote all these people, wagons, horses, guns, chaos, dust. It's insane. I don't understand how they shot this movie, especially with like the charges. Cause like during the fight, there's it's it's mostly dust charges going off for most of it. Mm -hmm. Just out of, out of nowhere, just massive plumes of dirt go flying Mm -hmm. in the air and there's horses everywhere. I'm like, how is, how is, a bunch of people not getting trampled or crushed or killed or killing horses. Like anytime in a movie or TV show, I see a horse go down. I'm like, yeah. Um, Cause like, they, they don't do know it? how to do that. Like, yeah, you fall can't, easy. You can't train a horse. I mean, and, and if you break a horse's leg, it's, they're done. They're done. You just kill them. I know. So it's like, anytime I see one go down and then like, kind of get back up, I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? I wonder that too. Yeah. Do you think there's horses that know how, like they can train them to kind of like lay down? You know, I don't know that. I, 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 I wonder that. And maybe we should get some kind of clarity on that. Like that luck show. Well, they didn't have anything like that on luck. The, the, they weren't supposed to go down the horse. The, well, the, see, that's such a, the horses that died on luck. There was one that died during the pilot. It was during a racing sequence. And then there was one that died during the, aborted second season ah so like more horses die every day at a horse track that sucks but do it do it they're at work though they're not doing it for tv yeah but you wouldn't want to like imagine if you just went to work and like oh shit nicholas is dead (laughs) yeah what happened (laughs) broke his leg had to put him had to put him down i get it nobody's getting lunch anymore no guess we're going out to lunch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the biggest problem that sense from Nicholas. that yeah um so the Had to happen jim jim joins the immigrant side uh in sort of this impromptu war against all the rich folks where they they go to the center of the battlefield and circle the wagons up and are essentially just picking people off from the middle of this giant pile of rich people and guns uh and and jim goes and helps the uh the, the immigrants push mobile walls almost like siege equipment well yeah well we we, we skipped part i'm where, sure we did <laughs> yeah like where where bill was out there and he was drunk in denial this is a guy from harvard the very yeah, beginning john's Jim friend Hurt. who's as as we said very inconsequential to most of the movie other yeah. than that he is there with the rich people yeah and he, and he becomes kind of a whipping boy like sam waterston's like yelling at him earlier when he's drinking he's like shut up stop yeah. talking and and then he's just talking about like how much he loved Paris or something, and then they just just dies. They shoot him shot dead. And and the, yeah, like, well, none of it meant anything for him. It's it's interesting now, like because I didn't think this at the time, but they show him in the beginning, and he was like the orator for the class, and everyone kind of like loved him, and he was one of those things where it's like your whole life's ahead of you, right? And then he gets in league with like the rich people. Or like the people well, of power, and he's. But he. But do you remember that he was like, "It's all over." He was looking at it like this was the best time of our lives. Like this is where things made sense, and now we have to face uncertainty. Oh. And during his Harvard speech. No, afterwards. Oh. Like when they were having their flower fight. 
or whatever the fuck they were doing out <laughs> right. there. Yeah. And and he was realizing that he was not going to be able to get the girl that, you know, uh, Jim had this kind of easygoing attitude, a different attitude about things. And, and he seemed very desperate, but unsure. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jim seemed very sure of himself and seemed very hopeful about the future. Hmm. And that's how I took it to be like this guy who was trying to cling to something. Yeah. Just fell in league with the wrong you know, one. Yeah. And he went like, the wrong way. Yeah. He, he let, he let, uh, greed or fear come in the way of doing what's right. Or just like having his own life and, and all that stuff, which I, I guess it makes it more like sad or poignant or whatever when he does die and you saw him at Harvard. Like that's kind of the, I feel like the main reason we saw that. I don't need know that we needed 30 minutes of it. And uh, 60,000 people. So many people. Um, all that dancing. How come in movies everybody knows the dance? Like I've, I don't know any that. dances. Period. When, back when they only did that circle twirly one with a bunch of people, everybody knew that dance because I'm pretty sure any other dance was illegal. Nice, <laughs> like the lambada. <laughs> I don't the even know what that is. Dance. Yeah. Um, this battle goes on for you know 15, 20 minutes of just watching various ladies and immigrants with guns getting shot, and it's one of those things where it's like. It keeps going, and you're like, God, someone just give up. Like, right. no side is doing well. No. Like, the, the rich dudes are just, like, imploding and getting killed. Um, we've already seen Bill get shot. All the immigrant people are dead, and there's just, like, a handful on both sides left. And it's just like, God, this, like, this didn't work for anyone. And then Frank shows back up with the cavalry, right. literally. And they arrest people, and they just end the assault. And what was it for? They they quote unquote arrest them, but it was basically to get the rich dudes out of there. Yeah. Um. As a way of like, hey, the government's here now. Yeah. Like, you can't do this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it it was like one of those things where it, like, the main point of the movie kind of ends, and it was you look around and nobody, nobody got anywhere better because of it. Just right. like a bunch of people died. Yeah. And and it's <laughs> for what for what yeah, yeah it's it's like it's kind of crazy like you were saying how this is kind of a it's crazy that stuff like this is still kind of the issue and people <laughs> don't realize Ooh. like that it's that it goes this wrong or that it doesn't get you anything and they just keep doing stupid shit like I mean this. <laughs> to to that point I mean this is not to like be a real bummer the day we're recording this. Yesterday, there were two mass shootings. I only heard about one. Yesterday, one in the morning in El Paso. I heard about El Paso, yeah. And it was, that was directly about immigrants. And then one last night in Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, step, Ohio? Where my stepmom's from. Somebody, a guy, again, another like fucking 24-year-old white kid just walked out with a, an assault rifle and body armor and went into like a, an area that was it just uh, was like a club district kind of area where there were a lot of people like nightlife oh, okay. and just started shooting and they, they killed him, the police. Yeah. And you know, uh, just in one day, two mass shootings, there were at least nine dead in Dayton anyway. And, and, and a lot of it, and this is a week after uh, Gilroy. Less than a week, yeah. Less than a week. 
Yeah, and 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 so much of it is tied to this anti-immigrant rhetoric and sentiment that people have because they feel aggrieved and they have to put their anger somewhere and and they're and they're they're literally killing people, innocent people who had nothing to they're just trying to make their way or they're trying to or, to or people have no or trying to fucking Walmart like it's 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 really crazy and it's <laughs> People wanting so bad to have there be some outside reason for their shitty life. Right. And it's got to be somebody else's fault. It's got to be someone else's fault. And the biggest bummer, or like maybe not bummer is the right word, I think terrifying thing, is that all these people don't care if they make it out of it. That like makes it impossible to stop. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's how, that's why terrorism is effective. Yeah. If you're willing to die for the cause, then you can accomplish almost anything. If you don't care about your own life. Was this, uh, was the Dayton one like for sure a hate thing? Or was it just like a crazy person? They're investigating. All right. Well, anyway. What a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, just like in real life, we're off to 1903. (laughs) Well, hold, you skipped, you skipped. (laughs) You skipped the like the most upsetting part of the movie. Where the lady shoots herself in the mouth? What? Or one of the immigrant ladies just shoots herself in the mouth? No, the most upsetting part. Oh was yeah, when you're right, I they're did. Like, they're <laughs> gonna right. leave together and Ella's in a white dress and they're gonna leave together and fucking Frank came way beyond the law, came out just to get revenge and shot her dead. And uh Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim kills Sam Waterston and co and is like the only one again the only one alive yeah as Ella's dead and Jeff Bridges as Jeff Bridges is dead yep and he just picks her up and that's so a bummer fucking sad like it's she, like they finally were gonna get away and have something you know some shred of happiness but no anyway, no happiness yeah um, and yeah, then, yeah, anyway, and 13 years later. 1903, uh, Jim is on a boat, a yacht, and he's kind of bummed about it, mm-hmm. I guess. He's older. He's older, and I guess, I didn't know this, obviously, because there was a billion people during Harvard. That was his Harvard girlfriend from right. the beginning. To, which, which, and so you kept seeing a picture of the two of them throughout, and I, mm-hmm. what, I, what I understand is that that's his wife. And that they've been married this whole time. Oh. I think. This is my interpretation, that they've been married this whole time, and they have this kind of loveless marriage that mm-hmm. just is sort of, you know, habit, and... He gets her a cigarette. End of movie. I mean, what better way to end the movie? <laughs> than petering out and just sort of stopping. I mean, he 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 had love, and he lost it. And then he never got it back. But and then I mean, he died. I mean, and it's sort of like you can look at it as everything kind of. I mean, he's he's okay. I mean, he he started upper class. He for the most part, he he did the right thing. I mean, I guess it seems like he was cheating on his wife, but <laughs> and again, I could be wrong about that. But I took it to mean because you kept seeing the picture of the right. two of them that terribly, you know, in a day before Photoshop, <laughs> yeah. when you could just like cut and paste faces and shit. Yeah, it looked like one of those um, old-timey Western photo shoot places. Yeah. Like, the costumes and everything. Um, But, yeah, he's he's getting older, older still, and 
is like not happy and that's the end of the movie it's a real bummer real positive note there to yeah, read that um, it's not not a real crowd pleaser uh apparently in other cuts of the movie that lady's not on the yacht interesting yeah yeah see now i'm interested so i wanted to watch and i didn't get a chance my friend fred um he loves this movie and knows a lot about oh, it oh really and there's a documentary called the the making and unmaking of of um heaven's gate oh and it's like uh like trio the network trio yeah. i think they made it hmm. and i don't even know if that network still exists like a feature length thing it's like an hour oh okay and um yeah i i, I want to watch it because i i, I really want to know <laughs> i want to see how like how they did this and yeah. of course you know uh, we got into some of it in our conversation with Skip. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's possible, and I because look, I mean, at at this elevation on this spaceship, I, <laughs> I I I don't remember things. It's it's altogether possible that I have seen that documentary, and we talked a little bit about it with Skip, <laughs> but, but I just can't remember in the time travel paradox yeah, that is this show. Yes, yes. interesting. Um, What'd you think, Joey? It's I don't know I. I'm never going to watch it again. Nope. The spectacle of it, though, is still pretty incredible, something to behold, but yeah. it just all feels like such a waste. Yeah, which I, it almost feels like the the the, the central premise of the movie. It kind of does. Like it's You're all right. just a waste. Is this movie a masterpiece? I think it... I. I I don't know if masterpiece is the right word. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a pretty extraordinary movie. It, it certainly... I think it's it's not even debatable that the achievement yeah. of the movie that it just exists is is astounding. Yeah. But but uh, as a movie, uh, it fails. As yeah, as, as a, a movie, as a cohesive story, like it doesn't. It, it it's it's too meandering, I guess, and it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I, made a lot of noises I, yeah I, I can appreciate and respect the movie and still think it's bad interesting i don't think it's bad i think some i i as a movie as a piece of entertainment that you would go to to be entertained and experience a story from start to finish it's bad i don't know i i, I mean well, those are two different things though being, it's bad. being entertained I mean, or, that, well entertained a... in in the way of i want to experience your a to b to c I think you get that. I think it just takes way too long. Yeah. And and there's not much to it like you were saying. Like the there's so little going on mm-hmm. and it just takes forever to get there that I think I uh, to to your point there is not a clear line from A to B to C. And they don't all have to like all movies don't have to have that. I just think this this is a movie that didn't know what it wanted to be. Right. It wanted to be everything, and it can't do that. So I think if you see clips of the, like the crowd work in it, it's still incredible, mm-hmm. and it probably always will because they're all going to be computer people from now on. So it's in that regard, it's everyone around Chimino mm. did amazing work, <laughs> like the acting, the cinematography, the set design, the art direct, like all of that shit is like some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But the script is 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 not good. 
I mean, I almost wonder because that, that thing is, I think there's some really great dialogue in it. And mm-hmm. I think that there's some really interesting characterization, but yeah, there's so much like you're like, there's so much like delicious fat around it yeah. that it, it's kind of hard to sink your teeth into the meat. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get, let's get into the three it's reasons. It's a keto movie for it's... sure. <laughs> three reasons why I believe that Heaven's Gate was included in the Criterion Collection. Um, I should probably double check to make sure they didn't do their own for this movie. Ooh, 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 they did. Oh, shit. Let's see what they have to say. It's a a video, so I have to wait for them to come up. And, of course, the opening of the video is the Fiddler roller skating. (laughs) Jesus So, you know, the important bit. (laughs) Number one, according to Criterion, A Glorious True West. That is their number one. Number two, it's darker side. I assume that is in reference to uh, a true West thing, showing the darker side of the West, which I think is kind of all West movies. <laughs> like I don't think they ever show like, man, this is awesome being yeah. here. <laughs> uh, and number three, epic imagery born of an epic struggle. And I felt. Because they're they're showing the battle scene during that, I feel like that was like one of the, like the weaker parts of the mass scale stuff. Like, how do you mean? Just, I felt like there, it was like more chaotic and crazy and awesome looking, like at Harvard, than the battle scene. Because really, yeah, because oh god, I, all those horses and fucking all, aside from and... the horses, but like. I felt like he didn't know what to focus on because there's, it went back to the shot several times that almost looked like the camera was doing like a merry-go-round around with the horses on the thing. And they, Mm -hmm. that was like, Hey, there's lots of stuff happening. And then they did the wide shot. That was just like the, the big plumes of dust going off. Mm -hmm. So it felt like I didn't get a good sense of a lot of like the vignettes of the battle. It was just like lots of shit wide shot. Lots of shit. Wide shot. Interesting. It's how it's how it felt, but like during Harvard, it was like God. There are so many fucking people here, and I guess by comparison, there's probably more people at Harvard than there were at the and the battle, because there was only 120 whatever names on the list. Uh, anyway, now my reasons why I believe it is included in the Criterion Collection, <clears throat> because it was able to stretch the plot of a short film to three hours and 36 fucking minutes. Um. Two, for the restraint of not reading the entire list of names. And number three, for its super shiny, pretty, and immaculately polished shoe leather. Excellent. Yeah. Now, let's get down to the synopsis. My new synopsis for Criterion Collections. Michael Chimino. I almost called him Camino. Michael Chimino's Heaven's Gate. Michael Cimino's sprawling Western parable about the dangers of falling in love with a hooker is an exercise in excess. Streets paved with extras all milling about and doing nothing in particular. Why, you ask? To quote the famous review of Heaven's Gate, we do things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And by God damn it, you're going to watch every motherfucking minute of it. Every three hour, 36 fucking minutes of it. <laughs> With a teaser act longer than most movies, Heaven's Gate is the cinematic version of Tiny Dick Syndrome. It wants the <laughs> biggest and best of everything, and it forgot the most important lesson. It's not how long your minutes are. It's how you use them. Heaven's Gate's the 
biggest problem. <laughs> God damn it. I just read my last sentence. Heaven's Gate is the biggest, longest, sloppiest dick you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's physically worthless because ain't nobody got time for a big, long, sloppy, aimless dick. <laughs> wow. Wow. I read it to Kim. She hadn't seen the movie, but she appreciated it. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I feel like I feel like this way with some Shakespeare plays too, where it's like they just people had a lot more time back in the day where they're just like, well, I don't know. I'll I'll I'll, I'll take this 3 hour and 36 minute dick. <laughs> Sloppy this and lifeless. Aimless. No, that's pretty funny. Uh, the best part is, is I sorry, wrote, mom. I wrote that with an hour left of the movie. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I hadn't seen the battle yet. Yeah, the action. Yeah, all the action. But they, uh, yeah, weirdly weighted this movie. Yeah, like, all the like action happens at the end and plot and story yeah. and yeah, character yeah. development. Yeah. Um, I I mean I'm it's like with most of these movies, uh, even the horrible ones. Like I'm glad I've I've seen it. But I've been like, I just don't think it's horrible. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a really well-made movie. I think it, I, I actually think the story, while being bloated in yeah. the telling of it, I think it's a really interesting story. I just, I think, if it had been a, a bit more, quite a bit more focused, and maybe the two and a half hour version maybe is more focused. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, what does better mean? Less Harvard. Oh God, so much Harvard! Like, God, you're beautiful. (laughs) Mysterious, you you in your window? You here alone? (laughs) It's 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 pretty incredible. uh, All in, I just didn't. I don't like it. Like, I don't like the movie, but I think I respect a lot of stuff about it. um, But I still don't think you need to be an asshole to make a good movie. Oh, I totally agree with that. So I like. I'm glad it kind of tanked. Interesting. In that, in that that shouldn't be rewarded. Like any time it, it often uh, and still is. I know. And every time I hear about a show or a movie being horrible to work on and people really loving it, it still kind of bums me out. Yeah, I mean we're lucky in that we yeah, we yeah. get to work with people um that are awesome and make awesome shit. Yeah. And treat people like people. Yeah. But like it's one of the reasons I still haven't watched which I'm going to censor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's why I haven't, I haven't, I never started. And, yeah. And I won't because of, yeah. It's just, you don't need to do, you don't need to treat everyone like they're beneath you to yeah. like make good stuff. And, and some would argue you get worse stuff out of people when you do that. Mm. So imagine if he wasn't a piece of shit and made this movie, how much better it would have been. Like it, you know, he could still be demanding and perfectionist and, treat his people well and it mm. it would have just been more of this <laughs> like yeah. it would have been incredible like just don't be a piece of shit don't be a piece of shit if there's I mean, one thing one thing to take nothing away else from from this podcast <laughs> and we know that everybody comes here to learn don't be a piece of shit and don't marry a hooker well, i mean that seems don't or, sorry don't fall in love with a hooker you can marry him i think even even <laughs> even sex workers need love it's the first thing they teach you chris they deserve love uh, absolutely but the first thing i teach you is if you're john you don't fall in love with a hooker fair enough he's a james wow i mean there's no better way to end this podcast than on that up note <laughs> okay uh next episode 
Uh, if you want to watch along at home, we are going to watch Brian De Palma's blow up. Is it up? No. Off? <laughs> blow off. Blow off. Blow out. Blow out. Blow out. But I think Freudian slip there. I, I, I believe I like De Palma a lot. His movies are generally batshit crazy. And um, <laughs> I think uh, this is his blow out, shameless right. um, homage to Antonioni's blow up. Right. I believe. There we go. And I don't know why I didn't remember this because I was going to bring this up. Blowout has a very con- different connotation in the context of having uh, babies. Gross. <laughs> so, Are you just going to talk about your babies all the time? Yeah. Ugh. I'm going to talk about how they shit so hard it sprays up their back. Oh, God. That's I what think... that, That's what blowout's about, right? Oh, no. Well, that's what that is. Oh, we had a blowout. Burn the sheets. I'm so sorry, Joey. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kim. Write into criterionouts at gmail.com if you feel like it. If you find a movie you think we should check out, let us know. Follow us on Twitter. And check out our new show, The Rubric. Yeah. First episode is up. We'll be doing some more. It's going to get its own solo feed if it hasn't by the time this goes up. But um, it's a new experimental movie discussion show. Uh, yeah, we trade and grade. Yeah, that's that's a we're finally honing in on like yeah. a quick way to describe it. Trading and grading. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, check it out. Uh, you can follow that on all its various things as well. And we Boys, will see you two next men, time. Too real. Too real. We'll see you next time for blowout, not diapers. Okay, here he Bye bye. Good night. Bye-bye.